Good evening, Fellowship College. Hey, let's settle on in. Everybody come into the room. Let's get in our seats. Get ready to start up the service. Well, hey, good evening, everybody. My name is Ryan Burton. I'm a worship leader uh, here at Fellowship. Excited to, to worship alongside you all this evening. Uh, some announcements before we get things kicked off. This is a very summer heavy announcement. So first thing up, raise your hand if you have been to 412 Institute in the past and make some noise. Okay, okay, cool. So hey, if you're sticking around this summer, you're gonna be around at all. Uh, we do this, it's June and July. So it's usually, I don't, I don't think we have the structure exactly set up yet, but typically um, it's like a Tuesday, Thursday thing. We'll meet up for a couple of hours. And it's a great way to get some gospel-centered community over the summer. And so if you're interested in that, uh, there's more details that will be coming over the next few weeks. Um, but really think about that. If you're sticking around Fayetteville, Northwest Arkansas area, it's awesome. It's a great time um, for accountability and spiritual growth. Uh, next, there's an opportunity to serve. And I'm really just using this as, uh, as an opportunity to share my beautiful family with you guys. And so this is my wife, Chelsea, my two kiddos. That's Hattie, the one that I'm holding. She's three. And then June, who is 10 months old. Uh, they're cute. But, uh, and actually, I don't, I don't think I've said this. Uh, I sold the ice cream business. So, yeah, I sold it. I sold it. You can boo me if you want. It feels pretty good. Well, I, I, sold, I sold Burton's Creamery. It's still the same thing. It's the same product. I just don't have to run it anymore, so, so go check it out. Anyways, this was like our last picture we took in front of it. But uh, anyways, my wife helps run uh, the volunteers for all of early childhood, uh, so it's a ministry that happens on campus Sunday mornings. And so uh, this can be now, it can be next fall, whenever, um, but for sure in the summer as well, because I know a lot of you college students are leaving but they're in desperate need of volunteers, and literally all you have to do is play with kiddos that look like this. And so it's awesome. It's a huge help. If you're interested at all, QR code there. Um, we really encourage you guys, uh, if you are attending Sunday morning services, uh, to worship one and serve one. And so there's two services, a 9 o'clock and a 1030. And so check that out. It's a great way to serve. Um, if you want to serve with older kids, there's also opportunity for that. Uh, next... I forgot what it is. Discover good news. So again, this is kind of going into the summer a little bit. Uh, so at least those last two, two weeks in May. Uh, but man, this is an awesome way uh, for you guys to, to be walked through how to share your faith. So it's kind of like an evangelism class. Uh, but the hope here is that we equip you on how to share the gospel in different circumstances. We, we don't think there's just this great, catch-all way to share it, that actually sometimes the most effective way to share the gospel is to know and understand the story of the person that you're speaking with and be able to be fluent, fluent in the gospel enough that you can speak that into their lives. And so this is a good class you can check out uh, if you want to learn more about how to do that well. Lastly, no Easter service next week. So we will just, if you're in town, we 
strongly encourage you to come check out the service um, at 9 o'clock and at 10.30 in the morning. It'll be in this room, but we will not have Fellowship College um, next week. So I encourage you to go, go with your families to Easter service. If you're going to stick around here, come in the morning. Um, yeah. If you guys would, let's stand up. Let's greet each other around us. Make everybody feel welcome. And then Isaiah will lead us in worship. up Sunday night. You guys ready to worship tonight? I don't know if this mic is on. It's so fun. Sunday night, you guys ready to worship tonight? I don't know. But are we still in the house? No? No? <laughs> Sunday night, you guys ready to worship tonight? I said it three times. It's really awkward. He didn't turn me on in the back. Uh, well, we're excited to be in the house of the Lord. Man, we're excited to get to raise up our praises and our worship to God that hears us and knows us. So, man, let's sing out. Man, we're not just the worship leaders on stage today, but you guys are the worship leaders too. Man, leading each other and being encouraged by this community. So let's do this thing. Let's go. of the Son of Man, and stories, and stories of a Savior, and holiness with human hands, treasure for the traitor, and no ear is heard, no ear is heard, no eyes see. The image of your Father Until heaven came to live with me A rescue like no other A rescue like no other Let's sing, you're worthy And you are worthy You did not speak, you made no 
You're my author, my maker, my ransom, my savior, my refuge, my hiding place. And you're my helper, my healer, my blessed redeemer, my answer, my saving grace. And you're my rhythm they used to do, and that we've done a, a few times here in Sunday night, this rhythm of confession. Um, man, I don't know what you came into the room with. I know for myself, this last week has been a week where, man, singing joyfully about the worth and the worthiness of God's names, I'm like, man, I, man, it's hard for me to believe that sometimes. It's been easy for me to turn to, man, I'm stressed about this that, or that, or I have anxiety about this thing, um, or I have unrepentance in my heart towards another person. And um, as we continue in worship, I felt remiss if we didn't take time tonight um, to really go before the Lord and ask Him, God, see our hearts and our, and our souls and, and search us and know us. Uh, and God, we confess to you. So, um, all across this room, I'm gonna read a, a liturgy, a, a prayer over you guys. Um, so I encourage you guys to close your eyes in this moment as I pray this over you. Holy God, we ask for your help, your power and your spirit so that we can amend our lives and grow more each day into the image of Christ Jesus. 
We confess that what we fear is what is different. We confess it's easier to lock the doors of our community than it is to receive those who we don't look like, feel close to you, God. And we confess we have not lived out your call to share an abundant life in unconditional love. We believe, God, that you have the power to turn us around to a more inclusive way of living, so we ask you to do that. Um, we ask you to give us the courage to change, and we ask that you give us the energy, intellect, imagination, and love to be your people in all that we say, in all that we do. But we also can be reminded that God isn't just desiring to hear our heart and to turn us away, but actually he wants to hear our sins so that he can draw us close as well. So be reminded of this assurance. Well, God, we'll be honest, this can be really hard. Um, it's really hard to wear masks and to spend so much time on our screens, but we're realizing that we're losing our patience and we're losing hope and we're losing our grip on our faith. We're caught between the selfishness of wanting to do what we can or want without regard for others and wanting to be helpful and generous. Lord, help us each day to lean on you and on each other when things get hard. Remind us each day that there's a light that can be found in your son and encourage our hearts and help us to be your people to the best of our ability in these strange days, God. This we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Heavenly Father, be with us as we turn to sing, God. God, let us be your people and your community that are united, not just because of the area that we're at or the school we go to, but united under the, the gospel that unites us in a way that allows us to love each other in a way this world just doesn't understand. So God, um, as we turn to sing, I pray that our worship would be an offering to you and not to um, the opinions of others, um, that it wouldn't just be words on a screen, God, but prayers on our hearts. Um, so Lord, let this time uh, just be between uh, you and us, God. Um, so Lord, be with us as we sing. We need you.
Every burning star signal fire of grace If creation sings your praises so
Well, I don't know what, uh, what your middle school experience was like, but when I was growing up, uh, we had these things called middle school dances, and I freaking dreaded them. I dreaded them so much. We probably had them between sixth and eighth grade, we probably had them three to four times a year, and leading up to the dance, the talk would be all about like, hey, how many girls are you going to slow dance with today? Like that was the talk. And I, I like had the, the biggest fear of, of asking a girl to dance because I didn't want to be rejected. And so the dances would come and like there'd be kind of this like hype. You kind of put like this like, like button up shirt in your backpack to put on after school and the dances would be going and most of it's kind of like this like upbeat kind of pop and like, your dances are kind of just like this, like, you know, I'm a white guy. And so I'm just kind of like staying here like this. And like, and then by eighth grade, you know, you're trying to get like your arms involved and stuff. But, but then, but then there's a moment that happens and the DJ kind of gets on the mic and you can feel the shift in the room. Oh no, slow dance is coming and your like head is on a swivel where can I find like someone that's standing by themselves so I don't have to like address like friend groups and stuff. And, and I just had this debilitating fear of asking a girl to dance to the point when that song would come, I would kind of do my little dance and kind of like be backing out of the room and like go and go to the bathroom or go get water or like, you know, just leave and then come back when the next pop song came on. And in case you're curious, kind of like what I looked like in eighth, in eighth grade, this is, this is why I had so much fear. I, I'm carrying a pink Jesus, if you can't see that. I, I, don't know, I don't know why. But so every time the slow dance came on, it was like, I left. And then we'd walk, you'd walk home with your friends and be talking about, how many, how many girls did you dance with? It's like, oh, like three or four, like... Like some of them were eighth graders. It was awesome. And so sixth grade goes, every dance, never ask a girl to dance. 
Seventh grade comes and goes. Don't ask a girl to dance. Still lying through my teeth about the number of girls I've asked. Never even approached one. Eighth grade comes and we're at the last dance. Kind of like our graduation dance. We're like, okay, this is my last opportunity. I cannot leave middle school without a slow dance. Like this is like, you, you gotta get your slow dance in middle school at least one time. And so the dance is kind of going, one slow dance goes, I chicken out. The next one comes and goes. I'm like, oh, I gotta go to the bathroom real quick. Like, and then I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, oh no, there's only one left. It's gonna be the last song of the night. Like it's probably like Drops of Jupiter by Train. Like it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good one. And like, and I had this huge crush on this girl named Lauren Justice. She was a youth group girl. So, you know, she's awesome, right? Like I, I saw her Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. We had this foundation that I thought there was some chemistry there that we were building on. So I'm like, this is my shot. This is my chance. I'm going to ask Lauren Justice to slow dance. And it's going to be the best way I could end my middle school career. We're doing our little kind of like, Bob, you know, again, like we didn't have TikTok back then, so we didn't know how to dance. Like we just kind of went like this, like, and we're doing that. And the, the DJ gets on the mic and you feel the shift like in the room. Like here it goes, last slow dance. And my head's on a swivel. And who is standing right here, 10 feet away from me? Lauren Justice is right here. And so, Every part of me wants to kind of, kind of bounce away. And there's this, this pull. Maybe it was God, maybe it wasn't. <laughs> a step closer, a step closer. Sure enough, drops of Jupiter. Starts playing, everyone knows it. She's with all of her friends, which I'm like, oh, maybe she'll notice me and step away. And so I'm like, literally like eyes locked on her in those 10 feet. And she doesn't look. So I have to go and tap her shoulder and mumble the words, hey, you want to dance? And she looks at me and goes, sorry, what? I said, uh, dance? And I'll never forget these words. It was like, I, I have a terrible memory, but I, this is seared in my brain. She looks at me with the most pity I've ever seen into these gorgeous brown eyes with my shaved head and says, no, just friends. And I, I remember like, it was just like, I don't remember anything else that happens after that. I'm sure I lied about how many people I danced with that night. And truly, I don't want to sound too dramatic, but I carried that rejection with me for so long. All I can think about, like at any dance in high school, trying to ask girls to homecoming or proms, like, no, I'll probably get rejected, right? Like this whole dating thing, this whole relationship thing is just, it's just not for me. Like, no, like I'll never be worthy enough or no one will ever like me. And it's just a silly dance. And yet it caused so much hurt. And so tonight, as we talk about singleness, dating, relationships. I know that a lot of you have come into this room with similar hurt. Some of you have been in relationships. 
that you thought were going well, and then all of a sudden they end, and you're left with this feeling of brokenness and rejection. Some of you have, have desperately wanted to be in a relationship, desperately wanted a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and it just never works out, and you're left with this, this feeling of almost worthlessness. Is it something, am I doing something wrong that nobody wants to ask me out? Or some of you have been in lots of relationships and every single one has ended so poorly and you've treated, treated these guys or these girls so bad and you're walking in here with this, this list of names and guilt and shame. And so tonight, I just want us to, to walk through this together. I know when I'm, when I'm teaching you tonight, I, I have you in mind. If that's you in the room, we're so glad you're here. And so we're going to talk about dating and relationships. And so I thought it would be good to just, we're just going to go through, this might sound boring to some of you, but we're just going to go through every single verse in the Bible that talks about dating. Word for word, we're just going to study every single verse. And that might be a little much for y'all, but like, I think it will help. Okay. This is what the Bible has to say about dating. So what do we do? What do we do when we don't have like a text or we don't have just a, a few verses to base this thing that we feel is super important on? So tonight is going to feel, because there's no like key text to go to, tonight is going to feel what we would call topical. Okay, usually at Fellowship College and even on Sunday morning, we do something called like exegetical or expository teaching. And that's where we'll take like a, a section of scripture or even just a verse and we'll just, we'll kind of dive deep and we'll try and see, hey, what is this verse saying? What does this verse mean? And how can we apply that to our lives? And we really enjoy that. But I think it's good every once in a while to address the things that the Bible doesn't talk about. And so here's a few warnings. I'm, I'm gonna give you these to have in your pocket during this message. Here's some warnings whenever you hear a topical message, okay? Warning number one is that there are a million different ways that I could go with this. There's a million different things to talk about when it comes to singleness, dating, relationships, marriage, so many things. And so there's going to be some of you that really want me to like, like dive deep on one thing and I might not talk about it. And so I'm sorry. I have, I've kind of had conversations with, with most, with some of y'all and our team about, Hey, what are the, the most important things we need to talk about? This message is already going to be way too long. And so if you have something that you want that I didn't talk about, that you want just advice on, or you want to talk about we would love to. I mean, love to. We'll be up here at the front after. Please have those conversations. Come talk to us. And we'd love to talk that. Secondly, because there's not one key like text that we can, can root this in, what we're going to do is we're, gonna, we're not abandoning the Bible tonight. We're going to take some biblical principles and see how we can apply that to dating. That being said, some of what's going to be said tonight is going to be like personal like uh, experience and, and opinions that I have, advice that I would give you based on 
like years of, of dating and years of marriage and doing it sometimes bad, sometimes good. And so I'm going to put up, you're going to see the word advice when it comes to those. I want to give you the freedom, not that you need it, but I'm going to give you the freedom to disagree with me in those areas, okay? If I have something on there under advice, I'm saying it because I believe it. I'm saying it because I think it's going to be helpful for you because I've experienced it. But at the end of the day, if you disagree with me, it's going to be okay. It's just advice. And, and please, we'd love to still have those conversations about if you disagree or not. So why isn't dating in the Bible? Why doesn't the Bible ever mention dating? Is it because God doesn't care about dating? No, it's all because of cultural context, right? We live in this, in this world with, with Tinder and dating apps, and it's almost like dating is this shopping experience. Okay, here's what I'm looking for. Okay, let's see if this person meets those things, right? Now we have apps that do that for us. But the, the culture that the Bible was written in, and actually the culture for most of human history, had to do more with arranged marriages. Whether your parents or people that were like overseeing you would basically determine who you ended up with. And I'm not trying to say one of them is, is, is good or bad, but the reason we don't have any verses about dating is because dating didn't exist when the Bible was written. That doesn't mean that God doesn't care about how we date as we see tonight. And so I know none of you are, are on Tinder because that's like more of like the hookup app and stuff like that. And so I feel like this was probably, this is where y'all are at right now, right? Christian Mingle, and then I, I realized too that, you know, I know where we are, we're in Arkansas. And so probably a combination of, of Christian mingle meets farmers only. Did I, did I get my demographic right? Is that, where, is that where we're at? I'm just kidding. That's it? Yeah? Okay. And so the first question, we're going to answer a few questions tonight. The first question I want to talk about, let's set a foundation. Why date? Like, what's even the purpose behind dating? And now I think we can, we can actually name like quite a few kind of surface level, like benefits and purposes of dating. Like on a very real level, I think dating is an incredible way to get to know people of the opposite sex. Like God has revealed himself both through men and through women. And so I grew up with three brothers. Like all I knew my entire life was, was boys and guys. Like that's all I, all I knew growing up. And then dating, like on a very like surface level, helped me to see, oh, this is what women care about. Oh, this is how, how women talk. Oh, this is what like women think about. And like, oh, it's totally different than a lot of the things I grew up with. And now I live in, in a house of only girls. And I feel like that has, has helped out. I, I have a wife, Lauren, different Lauren. Okay. A better, way better Lauren. Trust me. I'm very happy. Much better Lauren. I, get, I don't care about Lauren justice. You know, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter about it. Um, I have a beautiful daughter named Blair and even my dog, her name is Yankee. I know that's a boy's name. Don't, don't tell me that. But her name is, is Yankee. So 
So I've got to, to learn about like, hey, here is what, here's how God reveals himself through the opposite sex. It's a very, very real, very practical thing. Also, let's just say it, dating has the potential to be really fun. Like I think dating is supposed to be fun. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like that, but it has the potential for, for that joy, for that, that excitement. But all those things are kind of surface level. From a Christian perspective, the ultimate purpose of dating is marriage. And I know some of you might agree or disagree with that. But from a Christian perspective, dating is ultimately about determining, do I want to be with this person? Do I want to spend the rest of my life with this person? Do I want to be united to this person? And so before we get to, to, in order to understand what the purpose of dating is, we have to understand what the purpose of marriage is. And, and God kind of shows us a few different purposes of marriage all the way back to the first chapters of Genesis. In Genesis 2, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. In a very real way, one of the purposes of marriage is, is this companionship. He says later like, that I'm going to make two people one flesh, this unity together. They're going to be on this, this same team. And you, and you see it here. The benefits is that you can help each other. Right? They'll say this even more explicitly in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? See, very practical. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. In a very real way, having this, this partner, this teammate, being strong in numbers, a helper, you're better together. And that's one of the beauties of marriage is you take two people that look different, think different, sound different, and they come together and think about how, how much better, how much more you can learn. My wife is so different in so many ways than me, and it's the best thing that's ever happened to us because I can learn so much from her. I get to see, see aspects of God that, I, that I've never seen before, that I never would have even thought of. But ultimately, the main purpose of marriage is to display Christ. In his, this famous passage in Ephesians 5, Paul says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, a radiant bride, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. And then he'll make it more specific. What's the purpose? It says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and will be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Paul spends almost a half a chapter talking about marriage and talking about husbands loving their wives sacrificially. And he says, at the end, he goes, 
This is all ultimately about Jesus's love for his bride, the church. Now, before we move on, let's take a quick time out because I think this is important. I'm not, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the only way to find companionship, the only way to find this teammate, the only way to display Christ is through marriage, right? Hear me loud and clear. Paul would even say, he, to the Corinthian church, he's almost like begging them, like, y'all need to stop getting married. He's like, more of you need to be single because when you're single, you're less distracted. When you're single, you have more opportunity to display Christ through the gospel, through making disciples. You have more opportunity to live out the Great Commission. And so can you find companionship and be single the rest of your life? Yes. Not only through your brothers and sisters in Christ, but through Christ himself, your, the, the true and better husband. Can you, can you find help and, and teamwork? And can you grow and learn about like weaknesses and, and other things? Like, can you be strong in numbers without getting married? Yes, yes, you can. And can you display Christ without being married? Yes. Paul would say, maybe even more so. So what I'm not saying is, hey, if you, want, if you want to do all these things, you better get married. Then you'll be this like varsity Christian. No, he's saying, if you do decide to get married, here's what it should look like. It should display Christ. And so with this foundation of, of why we even date, the purpose of dating, the purpose of marriage, let's talk about like who we should be looking for, like what type of person we should be looking for. And so the first thing for the Christians in the room is there should be a spiritual compatibility. Like I know some of you might roll your eyes at that, but, that, but it's so important. Paul will say to the Corinthian church again, he says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Although this sounds a little harsh, here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you are a Christian in this room and you say, I follow King Jesus, I bow my knee to Jesus alone. He is the way. He's the one I'm following. Whatever he says goes. If he wants me to go somewhere, I'm going to go. If he wants me to do something, I'm going to do it. His mission is my mission, is what it means to be a Christian. And if you date and ultimately marry someone who has a different mission, as time goes on, y'all are just going to continue to run in the opposite directions. Tim Keller says it like this. You're going to hear a lot from him tonight. He says, within this Christian vision of marriage, here's what it means to fall in love. It is to look at another person and get a glimpse of what God is creating and to say, I see who God is making you and it excites me. I want to be a part of that. I want to partner with you and God in the journey you are taking to his throne. And when we get there, I will look at your magnificence and say, I always knew you could be like this. I got glimpses of it on earth, but now look at you. Notice he says, on your journey that you are taking to the throne. If that's the journey that you are on, you need to find someone that's on that same journey. 
And so the first thing is, is spiritual compatibility. Find someone, if you're a Christian, that's also following the way, following Jesus. And second, you need social compatibility, okay? You see? It's our first advice section. All right, so take this with a grain of salt, if you will. The reason I put advice is because I'm gonna give some, some kind of personal opinion and experience. I'm also gonna give you a bit of a warning. So often, we do one of two things. We either deify this social compatibility, you might call it chemistry. It might be like, man, we, this is like all I'm looking for, this is all I need. I need to find someone that makes me feel a certain way, that makes me think a certain way, that, like, that really like we have this like chemistry. Or there's some of you in the room who, who are like, like, no, that doesn't matter. If they're a Christian and you're a Christian, that's all that matters, like end of story. So let me give you some advice. If you don't like the person that you're dating, don't date them. Here's what I mean by that. If like you don't enjoy, like if you don't enjoy time together, that like some of you are laughing and some of you have been in that situation where you're like, you're kind of like going on dates and you're like, okay, everyone's saying like, oh, we're perfect together. Oh, you guys would make a great couple. They set me up. Like you guys are gonna be so good together. And you go on dates and you're like, okay, like there's a lot of pressure. They love Jesus. I love Jesus. Okay, this is great. And then like you're sitting out, you know, Porchies, and you're just like trying to keep it casual on a first date, you know, not going to doze quite yet. Just like, so like, what do you want to, what do you want to talk about? Like, and there's just like nothing. You're just like, it's just like pulling teeth to get any conversation out. You don't, it's not enjoyable. Guys, I dated a girl like this for an entire year and I knew from the second date that, that we had no chemistry, no compatibility, but I'm like, everyone says we'd be good together. And the longer it goes on, the more it goes on, you're just like, well, guess I'm stuck with this one. <laughs> like, I know, I'm sorry, I'm trying to be honest. I'm trying to be honest here, jeez. And so here's my advice. This social aspect, like chemistry, you might call it, it matters, it really does matter. Like, like dating, marriage should be so fun. It's like, it's an adventure. Like you should connect and get along with and have this chemistry with the person you're gonna spend your life with. But here's the warning. It's not all that matters. And in fact, the person that you are today is probably not gonna be the same person you are in five years probably not going to be the same person you are in 10 years, in 15 years, in 20 years. The person you're dating today isn't going to be the same person they are in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And so if your entire relationship is just based off this, like these feelings and these emotions and excitement, that's not going to last, at least not in the same way. Here's again, Tim Keller. This is not the last you'll hear of him. Tim Keller says, only with time do we really learn who the other person is and come to love the person for him or herself and not just for the feelings and experiences they give us. If your relationship is just built off of feelings and experiences, those will, will leave. There'll be seasons where you don't feel that. 
There'll be seasons where you don't have those same experiences. There'll be dates that you go on that aren't quite as fun. There'll be entire seasons of life that feel monotonous. And so if your relationship and ultimately marriage is based off of chemistry and feelings, there's gonna come a day where that's not gonna be the same. And actually you find out in marriage that chemistry takes work. Chemistry, the longer you get like, is a daily process and a daily commitment. And so thirdly, they should be spiritually compatible, socially compatible, and physically compatible. Can I get an amen? No, not one person? Come on. Dang. So if you read the entire book of Song of Songs, you will agree with this, right? You thought I was going to go the entire sermon without saying Song of Songs, didn't you? Well, here it is. The entire book of Song of Songs is almost, almost about like physical beauty. Like if you've read it, you know, we read it, like I read it all the way through and, and I left with this sense of like, oh, this is kind of feels superficial. Like all they're talking about is the way they look in this like, like external appearance, right? If you want some examples, here we go. This is the, the bride talking to the groom, complimenting the groom. And this is like literally just one passage of a dozen. She says, my beloved is radiant and ruddy. Not sure what ruddy is, but it's, it's sexy. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, outstanding among 10,000. His head is pure as gold. His hair is wavy and black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the water streams, washed in milk, mounted like jewels. His cheeks are like beds of spice yielding perfume. His lips are like lilies dripping with myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with topaz. His body is like polished ivory decorated with lapis lazuli. His legs are pillars of marble set on bases of pure gold. And his appearance is like Lebanon, choice as its cedars. Want more? I feel like it's only fair to give a little response from the groom. Oh, my bride, how beautiful are your sandaled feet. Oh, prince's daughter, your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hands. Your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle. Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are the pools of Heshbon by the gate of Rathbabim. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon looking toward Damascus. And your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like a royal tapestry. The king is held by its tresses. Guys, these are two of many passages. And I, I read through this, through the whole book of Song of Songs several times in preparation. And I'm like, they're so superficial. Like all they care about is arms that are like rods of gold. And then I realized there's actually a big difference between marrying someone for their looks 
and finding the one that you're marrying beautiful. What's going on here is they're not marrying each other for their looks, but the fact that they're committed to each other in marriage means that their standard of beauty has changed. That what they find beautiful is found only in their spouse. And that's why they praise their spouse. And we're going to talk about this in depth next week about beauty and the standard of, of beauty. But all that to say, physical compatibility is important. It's not nothing. But I think where we're so far off is not that we look for physical compatibility, not that we want to marry or date someone who's attractive, but that we take this list and we flip it. You know what I'm saying? We take this list, oh, we should be spiritually compatible, socially compatible, physically compatible. And instead of taking that order, we say, oh man, that guy, that girl in my class, man, she's so hot. Like, wow, they're so good looking. I've got to find ways to hang out with them. Okay, how can I like socially engineer situations where I can just be near them? They can see my personality. They can realize the amount of chemistry we have together. And once I socially engineer those and oh my gosh, not only is she attractive, not only is he good looking, but wow, look at the chemistry that we have together. Isn't this amazing? And then it's like, oh shoot, I forgot to check that last box. I forgot to see if they're even following Jesus or not. And so we go to their Instagram, Whew, Bible verse. It's just John three sixteen, but it's a start. It's a start. I can fix them. I can change them. Oh, I saw them at a coffee shop. They had their Bible open. There's no notes in there or anything. They don't have any highlighters, but it's a start. They check, they check the box. I saw them at Fellowship College one Sunday night. So obviously they're a Christian. Obviously they're following the Lord. And we do this where we, we switch the order and we start to find, okay, who's the most attractive? Okay, do we have compatibility? Okay, I hope that they're also a Christian as well. What if, what if what was most attractive about someone to you was how devoted they are to the Lord? And I know for some of you, you just rolled your eyes at me. I watched you. <laughs> I know that sounds cheesy. Like, of course, the pastor's going to say that. But what if the most attractive thing about someone was their devotion to the Lord? Wow. The way that they serve, the way that they give, the way that they lead, the way that they build other people up, the way, oh my gosh. I just... I, I mean, it's, I, I got to spend more time with that person. I've just got to get, get to know them better. Like, like, that's amazing the way that they know Jesus. And then see, okay, is there any chemistry here? Do we get along? Like, okay, and then down the road, like, this is going to be my new standard of beauty. Not what social media says is beautiful. Not what porn says is beautiful or attractive, but, but how beautiful my husband is, how beautiful my wife is. That's my new standard of beauty. 
that's what we should be looking for. That's who we should date. And if we could get that right, this next one would be a lot easier. So the last thing we're gonna talk about tonight, we have our foundation, purpose of dating, purpose of marriage. We kind of have an idea maybe of what we should be looking for. But now once we get there, if we get there, how do we date well? Okay, you ready for this? Advice. Some of you are gonna leave this next five minutes very angry with me. But I want you to know this is, I'm not doing this to make you angry. These are things that I've seen in my own life, things that I've learned, things that I've walked through with with some of you guys. And so I hope this helps. If you completely disagree with me, come talk to me, that's okay. First piece of advice, you ready? First piece of advice, first dates, okay? First dates. Let me give you some. This might be just groundbreaking for those of you who grew up in the Bible Belt, in a Christian home. Going on a first date with someone does not mean you have to marry them. Crazy? Is that crazy? You do not need to know if you're going to marry someone to go on a first date with them, okay? First dates are opportunities. Get to know if you even like the person, if you even have chemistry at all. Get to know them. I've seen so many people be like, get asked out on dates. Like, let me go pray about it. Okay. Sweet. (laughs) Hey, I just feel, I just feel like you're not the one that I'm supposed to be with. You're not, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to marry you. I, like, I just wanted to take you out on a walk. Like, I, I wasn't going there, okay? Go on first dates, please. They can be fun. But on the other side, on the flip side, if you are constantly texting someone, constantly DMing someone, constantly Snapchatting someone, constantly talking with someone, can I, can I give you some, some tough news? You're not going to like this. You're dating that person. See, I told you y'all are going to be angry. And I'm not saying like you're like exclusive, like that's your boyfriend or your girlfriend. But part of dating is getting to know someone. And so why not just call it what it is? Like you texting someone every single day, catching up on your day, like catching up on like live, like what's going on? Like that is dating. So just, just do, just go on dates. Okay. So you guys are already mad at me. I knew this would happen. It only gets worse. Okay. Y'all are only going to like me less from here on out. Secondly, community. Do not, do not date in isolation. What I mean by that is if you are afraid to bring your significant other around your friends or around your mentors, that is a huge red flag. And most likely it is because you are trying to hide something about them or about the relationship. Okay, I'm not, I'm not holding back any punches tonight. We're going for it. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, bring them around your friends. Let your friends get to know them. Ask your friends opinions and advice. Like go to your mentor's house for dinner 
and seek their wisdom. Do not date in isolation that only leads to cycles of sin and cycles of hurt. Thirdly, boundaries, all right? Now y'all are really gonna like me after this one, right? Don't even make eye contact with someone of the opposite sex, okay? Don't even look at them. I'm just kidding, okay? Every time we have a Q&A, here is the number one question that y'all ask, like by far. How far is too far, right? We ask that question all the time, like this boundaries question. Again, this is my advice, Okay, I'm just going to give you just a quick, this could be a whole sermon, but I'm going to give you just a quick piece of wisdom. You can write it down. You don't have to. The Song of, Sol- Song of Songs says over and over again, do not awaken love before it's time. And so I'm speaking specifically to the guys in the room, mainly. If you're hanging out, with your girlfriend and love starts to awaken? You know what I mean? If you're hanging out and, and, and love's awakening, it's time to leave. Not the relationship, it's just time to go home. Like if, if, if that's, like go, leave, that's your boundary, okay? Take it or leave it. Again, see the big advice thing at the top? Take it or leave it. We're almost done, I promise. I know it's been long. Fourth, breakups. Please, please stop blaming God for your breakups. Can I say that? Come on, y'all know. I'm not saying that, that, that God couldn't have supernaturally spoken to you and told you, hey, like I know you're loving this relationship and I know everything is just perfect and daisies, and, but, but like I need you to break up with this. I'm not saying that could happen, but it doesn't happen every time. I swear every time Christians break up, it's, hey, God, God just told me not, not to be with you. God doesn't want me in this relationship. Not, it's not me, it's God. God's making me, making me do this. Basically, anything after, hey, I don't want to be with you, is a lie. Anything that comes after, hey, I don't want to be with you, is a lie. So here's my advice. Just tell them, hey, I don't want to be with you. I don't want to date you. Sorry. <laughs> like, Trust me, I know that sounds crazy and that sounds so hurtful, but I promise as being someone on the receiving end of someone blaming God for a breakup, I would have much rather them just tell me that. It might have hurt more in the moment, but in the long run, it would have caused so much more healing so much more quickly. And last one, every relationship is unique. So relationships, they don't just fit in this perfect mold. And just because you're your friend or your mentor, someone does like dates in a certain way, doesn't mean that's exactly how you have to date. All these relationships are going to look different. And so give yourself a, a little bit of grace. Give yourself a little space that it doesn't have to fit in this perfect, neat box. And so we're going to close where we began. 
we're going to go back to what is the purpose? What is the foundation? Why do we even do this thing called dating? Why do we do this thing called marriage? And how could we not end with a Tim Keller quote? Here's what he says. He says, when over the years, someone has seen you at your worst and knows you with all your strengths and flaws, yet commits him or herself to you wholly, it is a consummate experience. To be loved but not known is comforting. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from the pretense. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness and it fortifies us for any difficulty life can throw at us. If, if you don't leave with, with anything else, know that Jesus himself is the perfect husband, that he has loved you in a way that nobody else will ever be able to love you. And that although dating and marriage can give glimpses of this relationship, this is the only relationship that can actually give you worth, meaning, true and everlasting joy. Every other relationship will eventually fade or end or not satisfy. And this relationship with Christ, his sacrificial love for you, is not based on experience. It's not based on feelings. It's not even based on what you can or can't do, but it's completely based on his love for you. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we just come to you tonight with, with wounds, with hurts, with baggage, and we'd ask that we'd be able to lay those at your feet. We'd ask that you would give us forgiveness in the areas that we need forgiven, that you would remind us of our true identity, and that you would um, continue to show us your unconditional sacrificial love for us. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.
whole heart. But offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. One time, so work it out. Offer this heart, oh God. But offer this heart, oh God, completely to you.
So I know a, a topic like this comes with a lot of stories, a lot of maybe hurts, a lot of different feelings and emotions. And so truly, I mean it. If, if you want to come talk to someone, our team will be down here at the front. If you want to disagree or want, you know, give me your argument for something, I would love to hear it. But we love you guys, and we'll see you here next week. Have a good week. Oh, yeah, that's right. My bad, my bad. Hey, Easter next week, come to one of our Sunday morning services. We will not have Sunday night. We'll see you here in two weeks at Sunday night. Thank you.